Yo, what's up, world? I go by the name of Jabari, and this is the Words with Friends podcast. You guys already know. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And look, I've got a big announcement. So on this podcast, starting from here on out, actually, you can now support the Words with Friends podcast with a tip. All right? So you can go to patreon.com slash Jabari and support with a tip starting at a dollar per podcast, right? So it's just like if I'm at a bar serving you drinks and you would give me a tip, but instead I'm on the internet serving you knowledge and you can give me a tip. Patreon.com slash Jabari. Like I said, more info is at the website. You guys can go there and a dollar per podcast. You can help support it, keep it going. I want to start traveling with this thing. I want to start getting more guests on. And if you guys are getting value from the podcast, Definitely give value back. All right, so more info at patreon.com slash Jabari. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Jabari. Today is a very special day on the Words of Friends podcast because I have my man, my home skillet, my home slice, Jobert Forte. <laughs> What's up, sir? What's good, brother? I'm good, man. Everything is all right, man. We are in sunny L.A. The weather is finally back to normal, back to Sort of like regular LA, we had a little rain thing going on here. Yeah, it was raining for probably about maybe five days back to back. Yeah, that was that. People, people here were like going crazy when that was happening. Oh man. yeah, you know, I, I I stopped believing in the Tony Tony record you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> after a while because it kind of felt like torrential downpour. And, you yeah, know, I haven't really had that since being back on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah, man. But uh, you know, it's good. It was good because it just. Sometimes it's dry out here and it needs to just get a little moisture in the air. You know for what I mean? For sure, for sure. And I think, you know, just being here, the difference of, of, of how the air is, is, is more breathable. You know, yeah, back yeah, home, yeah. when it's humid in New York, you know, you, you're ready to strangle yourself. Yeah, but man, like yeah, being here in LA, you know, when it's hot and it's like 100 degrees or something like that, like you can breathe. Yeah. And, um, but no, I kind of took the rain as like being a sense of cleansing. You know yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like for for just for the world, just for the city, just for like you know where we are, but just in our lives, like when it's something about rain that just does something to you, to where like some people will they don't want to leave home and they want to relax, they want to they want to read a book, they want to just chill, they want to watch a movie. People want to cuddle. You know, it's hump weather, whatever, yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. it is. You know, <laughs> but. Rain does something to you, so you know I kind of took it as like a, a cleanse mentally and like emotionally because you know when it rains it pours and like you there's always some type of storm before the calm. Yeah. So yeah, you know, yeah. no matter where you are in your life, like you you really have to take uh, uh, full advantage of the things that are in front of you so you can understand like these things are happening for a reason. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> what uh, first of all, man, everybody I always have them introduce what they are and who what they do, man. And you do a lot of things creatively, but mainly you are a musician, um, and a rapper and an all around artist. But how do you like to introduce yourself to people when you when you meet them? Um, you know, it's so funny because sometimes I. You know, I could throw people off and, and go over their head, but I kind of look at myself as being a, a light source. Mm. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, just something that possesses light and, and gives it off, you know, mm. and uh, in, in, in all, you know, ways of life, you know, through being creative, through just 
communicating to people to just sharing perspective and just you know just just being real and like offering something that most people you know probably can't get the get the chance to see or if they're distracted by this if they're surrounded by darkness or if they're in a gray area of their life and you want to know the answer or you want to know more there are insightful people around and i feel like you know i think i'm a very insightful person mm -hmm. so just figuring out how to intertwine that with like my creative abilities to make music and just cook and all these different things i feel like it, it, it's a reflection of itself so yeah yeah but now take, take okay so the light source when did you find out that you had this beam of light in you man take me back to childhood oh man i, I would have to say um the moment that i was conceived Mm -hmm. To Shade's uh, Love Deluxe album. I think it's Love Deluxe. So, no, your, no your, Ordinary Love. I think okay. that's what it was. Your parents let you know that that was. Yes, the, they the, let me know that that was the record. I kind of figured it out because, you know, when they had their little, you know, time, like it, you, when you heard that record, you kind of knew, like, okay, your parents are like going to sleep or something. But it was so constant that I kept hearing that record. And both of my parents, like, you know, they love Shade's, you know, you know, a lot. So I felt like that's the record that I was kind of conceived to, but just her music, you know, it breathes a whole different life. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know what I mean? It's 20 years old, and people who are 16 years old could listen to Sade right now mm -hmm. and be blown away just as much as the people were when she first came out. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, as a kid, I, I was always, uh, I was always a, a little magical being. Mm, you know mm. what I'm saying? Hey, yeah, that's that's that's, uh, that's Gilbert's dog. Yeah, that's Zeus over there. We're trying to get his cameo. <laughs> um, but no, I was. I felt like I was a magical being. You know, as a kid, there is no reality. Mm. There's only your imagination. Mm. And yeah, that's definitely something that I see in children, man. And and yeah, I'm. I just started uh, volunteering, and I'm teaching kids film, and. Even just the small concepts that we're talking about and shooting these very, very short sort of like social media videos, their imaginations are running wild. You know what I mean? Oh. And they're like, I'm like, they'll say, all right, let's shoot you getting uh, kicked in the face and you fly back and you hit somebody else and they fly back and it's just like all this stuff. And I'm like, well, guys, we don't have a stunt coordinator here yeah. or we don't have, you know, yeah. how are we going to do this? But... I don't want to limit their imagination, but I'm like, wow, these, these kids just want to see amazing things happen, and they don't even think about the resources that they have. Yeah, they they just think about, okay, what is in my head, and I'm going to say it, and I want to do it. So that, that's kind of how you were like. Yeah, I, I kind of took that uh, just approach to life. I mean, that's what I, I felt like I was, I, was, I, was, I was born with that, to where there, there was no sense of reality for me as a kid, because... You know, you go outside to play, you, you hang out with your friends, you, you, you play with toys, you mm -hmm. watch cartoons, and your mind is just wrapped around all these different images and colors and things that are just considered fun. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you don't have any obligations, but just have fun and be a kid. So I, I always think it's interesting when people say, um, you know, getting back in touch with your inner child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Which is that, that innocence... But that's also, like, that daring, just daredevil, I want to just jump off a tree just to say that I did it. Yeah. I want to climb the tree. I want to hop the 10-foot fence just so I can tell my friends, like, 
they could do it or I'm the man, you know? Mm-hmm. But just doing something that's daring, ding dong digit, you know, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but, but yeah, I, I felt like my imagination as a kid, I really didn't understand life. I don't think any kid really pays attention to what life is, you know, until they get older. But for me, I wanted to create my world, mm. you know? So I found ways to like make my surrounding and my environment feel like what I was watching in the cartoons, what I was watching in kids' movies. And, you know, I never had a chance to go to Disney World like most kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to watch Leave it to Beaver. All these, all these movies that yeah. Little Rascals and all, the, all, all of this stuff. And I'm seeing these TV shows and these kids are doing the most amazing things. And, I never had a chance to live that, so I would try to create that in my environment as a kid and just try to put myself in their shoes by doing the simplest things. Mm. You know, all the big waterfalls, the water parks, I I didn't really do that stuff as a kid, you know, because, you know, how I came up, we really couldn't afford that stuff. So it's like, oh, there's a slide, there's a pool in in my cousin's complex. All right, we're going to, I'm going to, my mind's going to wrap around like, I'm here in Disney World. You yeah, know, just yeah. How I'm do we make up. this thing into a theme park? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, for real. For just for the moment. And I think doing, doing that as a kid and with no limits, it's just like you, you make the most of those moments and, and they feel just as good as like you being in actually Dis- Disney World. Yeah, So yeah. it's almost like you have a, 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 this is the right choice of words, a vicarious type of moment. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, man, imagination just... It's what kind of propelled me to be where I am today because even when you grow older, you get you can get lost in reality. Mm-hmm. You can get lost in responsibility. You can get lost in obligations and prerequisites and all that stuff. And I feel like if you don't if you don't stay in touch with your inner child, it's I don't think you'd be able to imagine anything after that. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. I think you know it's something about. I always accredit to uh, my mom to a lot of my success now. And I'm not even, I'm just at a very low level of success. But mm-hmm. but I, I look at myself as like my life and being able to do what I want to do at all times and sort of, you know, uh, having this career that just allows me to be creative sort of wholeheartedly yep. is... That to me is very successful. So I mean, I have a long way to go, but but I, I I always accredit that to my mom exposing me to a lot of things as a, as a kid, right? Yeah. So like a lot of things that I didn't even think were creative at the time, but I noticed that I was like one of the few black kids doing certain things like skiing or you know like just being involved in a lot of different things from boy scouts to you know like building model cars and stuff like that things that a lot of my family in 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 other places and in in other environments weren't able to to do you know I when I saw myself able to do some of those things and like just always constantly have my creativity um Challenged, you know what I mean. It's like being in situations where I can say, "Well, 
here's this issue, here's this problem, how are you going to fix it? How are you going to be creative to, to fix it? How are you going to be creative to, like, overcome that? Yeah. I don't know. That, to me, is, like, I try to just live my life now like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, to, to attest to what you're saying, you know, I, I feel the same way about how it was for me, you know, but but my my parents exposed me to a lot of things at a young age to where I was able to, you know, what what we call um, ear hustle. Yeah, okay. You know, as a child, you know, you listen to adult conversations, you learn how to talk like an adult. Mm-hmm. You learn expressions and personality so early that it always puts you ahead of the curve of other kids, but in a way, it's maturing you faster. Mm. But for me, maturing in that aspect, but still holding on to my magical side and like my imagination, it just made me feel like, you know, I was in the best position of my life. Yeah, and yeah. I've always been that way. Yeah. And um, but to the point of you know, I had friends who were in the Boy Scouts. Mm-hmm. For me, it was go buy some toy guns from. Myers, yeah, <laughs> and put some cargoes on, and, yeah. and like reenact what I saw in Rambo too, mm-hmm. you know, in my backyard, and you know, or like. So this is in Michigan, in Flint. Yeah, yeah. Michigan. And Flint is sort of known for being one of the most, uh, uh, mo- like motors. It's Motor City, like industrial. Yeah, industrial. Know, car, car, Ford cars, Chevrolet, Cadillac. You know, mm-hmm. just just building those those cars and. and uh, that that was like the staple for the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but obviously there was there was more to it because there was many different cultures that were living there. Mm-hmm. So it just brought a different life to it. But for me, I was just around all my all my cousins. They were my friends. I didn't really have friends, friends. Mm-hmm. So because my family was just so close, and I, predominantly most of my family on my mom's side lived there and are still living there, and. Uh, it was a, a little cool community that we were all in, but it was beautiful. Like thinking about your childhood, you almost want to go back to it and, and relive it in a way. Yeah. But you know, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. What? All you can do is take from it. But, when, when did you start uh, making music then? Um, music came to me uh, when I moved to Philadelphia. Um, okay. I was really young, and at the time, my brother was managing these producers okay. um, called the uh, Cardiac Kids, and they were two of his friends, and, uh, you know... So De Niro's been managing. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, been, he's been around the block and, okay. you know, with, with stuff like that, and, uh, but I would just watch him and his friends, like, create, and him, like, try to, like, move their music around and play for different artists stuff like that and I've always knew that I wanted to create music because being in the Midwest you know I started out listening to the A-Ball MJGs and the you know the do or dies oh, yeah, and yeah, all yeah. of that because when you're in the Midwest there, there's no just it's no it's not one sector of music that you listen to like one region it's you listen to everything that's in the south you listen to stuff that's going on Coast mm-hmm. and even in, in even on the East Coast, but for me, I was a kid, but I was like Midwest, West Coast, South music till I die. Like I didn't really give two shits yeah, about what was yeah, going yeah. on the East Coast because I wasn't that open then. 
I just knew what I liked. Mm -hmm. So the No Limit Soldiers and the Masterpiece <laughs> and like Death Row and Snoop and Dog Pound, like all of that was like my music, some of the starting point for my musical inspiration for rapping because mm -hmm. I was I was just I loved all those flows you know mm -hmm. and I loved the stories that they used to tell I didn't understand even Silk the Shocker's flow oh he had the <laughs> he had the most unorthodox yeah. flow even to this day and I, and even to this day knowing more about the science of music I go back and listen to him and I still try to figure out what BPMs you know, <laughs> yeah. his flows are you yeah. know it's like what was he hearing but yeah. I mean it worked it, it did it did and that that's what set him apart but that 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 was kind of like you know in the era of so many different types of flows and rap styles that were spawning mm -hmm. and um, but yeah it it, it, it was just interesting because as a kid I don't know what the hell anybody was talking about but it just yeah. sounded good yeah, yeah, you know, and and I think, no, not to jump too ahead, but music today, kids are are attracted to these sounds and they don't know why. It's just something in the music. Yeah. The same way that I can listen to Too Short as a kid, and he's talking about the most raunchiest shit ever, but I'm like bobbing my head and I'm so into it. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Yeah, but it's kind of kind of the same thing. With it. there's this video that just sort of was surfaced of. Uh, Apparently, Blue Ivy, Beyonce's daughter, was singing like she was like surfboard. So and it's like, whoa, that you should, you know, that kid should not be singing no, that no, lyric. For sure, but for sure. it sounds incredible. So it, it comes from like, it goes back to to what I was saying about ear hustling, where mm -hmm. you, you you're around adults and you you you're a kid, you just want to so, you're a sponge, you just want to soak in so much information, learn so much. So you're like listening to people talk. And, Oh, this is the song that my mom's singing. I, there's been plenty of times I've been over my cousin's house and their little kids are walking around, you know, here I come, yeah. here I come. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, like, do you know your ABCs? You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's, it could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. The good thing is kids learn and pick up stuff really fast, mm -hmm. more so than, you know, being behind with that. But, it's just about having a balance. And as, as for me, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to have a balance because I have my imagination. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I was able to, to listen to what Tupac was talking about and, and try to create it in my mind. Like, how does this make sense to me as a kid? It mm -hmm. sounds good, you know? And um, so, so coming out of the Midwest and just growing up listening to all that stuff and moving to Philadelphia... It's like, all right, here, I'm on here on the East Coast. I'm familiar with the Nas's and the J's and the Big's and the Wu-Tang's and the Rough Riders. I'm, I'm so familiar with all this by now. Mm -hmm. And I want to figure out how someone could create these beats under an artist's rap or, a, or, or them singing, but it's not, it's not a typical beat, you know? Mm. And... Where I'm going with that is, as a kid, I just watched movies. Mm -hmm. So I never knew what the hell a film composition was. Mm -hmm. I didn't know where the music came from in the movie. And I would watch it, and I'm like, even even like the show tunes that you hear in like the children's movies that were yeah. just yeah, under yeah, the yeah, scene, yeah. you don't even know why it's there or where it even came from, but it strikes you in a way that it kind of brings you that much further into the story or into the scene. Mm, okay. So I was like I was like how do you how do you 
how do you have that type of effect when with like making hip hop music or mm -hmm. making like jazz or making something that that's to put people in that space like they're watching something because you can listen to lyrics and if you don't visualize it you know it may be hard to really see it yeah yeah when you when you put uh, any type of visual to a soundtrack it enhances it you know like that's why it's such it's such a huge thing when credits come on like yeah. in, a, in a film what song comes on in the credits because that's closing out the film you know that's yeah that's it's supposed to strike a certain chord with you that for sure that, that the director and that 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 uh, that person who's doing the score want to essentially just have ooze out of you. There's emotion that they want to happen. Note. Yeah, you know, one note. Yep. You know, I think, I think, one that stuck with me all the all the time as a child was was uh, uh, um, John Carpenter when he did Halloween and Zeus. Zeus is just uh, very <laughs> yeah. jealous of our conversation right now. Yeah. He's, he's just got a lot chilling over there, but he's, he just wants to be involved. <laughs> um, John Carpenter did Halloween. Okay. Which is like one of the premier like horror, horror classics. Yeah, you yeah. know, Michael Myers and all that. And so my mom used to... She used to forced me to watch these horror films as a kid. Uh. Just because it's like, oh, um, this is the way she used to put it. She used to go, you know, when we go out in public, you know, don't talk to strangers. Yeah. You know, as, as each parent would tell their child, yeah, don't talk to yeah. strangers or anything like that. So, but for me, it was like, okay, I get it. But my mom would go to the extreme and make me watch like a horror film uh. to just implant it in my brain like, you don't want to end up like them, do you? Yeah. You know? <laughs> wow. yeah. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, like, this is a horror movie. What what does this have to do with like talking to a stranger? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But going back to that, to the music from the Michael Myers, it, you know, the doo -doo 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 yeah, yeah. just just those notes. Yeah. It implanted something in you so like it it, it embedded like this fear in you. Because the sound was so eerie. And mm -hmm. then when you saw the movie, you were like, yo, whenever I hear that song, I feel like somebody like him is going to be around, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, why that stuck with me my entire life? And every time I heard it, I would always get a chill because of the way, way I visualized it and felt it as a kid. So I'm like, in, in music, when you have lyrics and it's, it's, you know, it's like, how do you strike that same chord? Mm. Because off the top, you can't just visualize something. There's not normally a video for these songs that are released these days. So, how do you try to strike that chord for people to try to, you know, evoke that same emotion that you got? Yeah, when yeah. You first witnessed it. So that was how it was for me. What, what, um, what gave you the sort of, I like to call it, audacity to think that you're gonna make it in music. Cause everybody wants to do it, right? You know what? But you know what's funny. What made you think, you know, like, yeah, this is gonna happen, this is gonna work, and I'm gonna be a successful rapper and I'm going to make money doing this. It because was, it's a long shot. It was it was it was my dream. Mm. Uh it started out in my head. 
because I was such an imaginative kid. But then I felt, I, like I'd see an artist coming up, Let's, for instance. We're, we're gonna take Kanye West for example. Okay. College dropout, around the time when he was releasing that project. Yeah. You know, I was watching the VH1s, I was familiar with all the stuff that was going on. And like, it was something about how he carried himself that reminded me so much of something I wanted to become one day. Starting out in production, producing for like some of the best artists ever, and then go- coming out with his own style of rapping. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I, that was kind of like my blueprint when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, you know, I'm gonna start out in production and then I'm gonna produce and then I'm gonna build myself up from that and then I'm gonna put my own music out. Mm-hmm. And so, when I would like, when I like an artist that really inspires me, I just really take the time to understand them as if I know them, as if I ever met them. Mm. So, you know, him being from Chicago, single parent, home, and I used to live in Chicago. I grew up in Chicago. It was just me and my mom. We, he's weird. I'm weird. And, and, and I feel like when you, when you are on the verge of putting a dream together for yourself, you look for this inspiration. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you say, how kind of, I- kind of like a, a blueprint, but not necessarily something to copy, but to yeah, no, no, not not to copy, but it's like it's like someone's like, I want to be an actor one day, mm-hmm. and Ryan Gosling is my favorite actor. I'm going to look like him, in in a sense, I'm going to figure out my expressions. I want to really like, I want to understand why he is the way he is for acting, and then how can I put that in the pot? And, and add my own mix to it, put my twist on it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's the same same way with when we were coming up. Everybody wanted to play basketball. Everyone wanted to be Jordan. Everybody wanted to be Iverson. Yeah, you know. So we learned the moves. We wore the headbands like them and everything. Yep. <laughs> yep. And uh, so we wore the headbands and everything, and uh, and that's because you know we were fans of it, but we were trying to figure out like. You, through that process, we were trying to understand, you know, their mind. But you can't really understand their mind. Mm. You just don't know them. Yeah, so you can only yeah, go yeah. by what you see or what you hear in the music or what they say in the interviews. And, you know, and so all these different forms of inspiration and stuff that you pull, you know, that's what allows you to create your own original piece to it. When did College Dropout come out? 03? 04? Um, yeah, I was in high school. It was about 03, I think. Oh, no, no, 04, because it was it was just a 10-year anniversary. So, yeah, this yep. year, 04. Okay, so I was in Philly, and at the time, my brother worked for the state radio. It used to be uh, 103.9 to beat. Okay. And uh, they used to do this thing called behind, uh, 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 103, 103.9 to beat. Behind the beat, it was some segment that they would do where they would bring an artist into a small, intimate space. They'll talk to fans about their music, their inspiration, and preview the album. Okay. Behind the beats, I think that's what it's called. And uh, Kanye came, and I remember we were, it was in South Philly. It was on like 12th and Task or somewhere, some little art garage. And, uh, and I was such a fan that I'm like, this is like, this is the, this is this is the blueprint. You know, this is somebody I, that I, I, I look up to and I'm, I admire. And I'm now, 
I've watched them so much on television and heard them in music and in, in interviews. Now that now they're finally in front of me for me to really see how this person truly is. Are they going to be an asshole? Or are they going to be just as who they are in the music? Mm -hmm. So he was super chill and cool. He was talking about you know the project and you know it was a moment for me because I was like shit. Like there's so many artists to be inspired by, but as a creator, like he was like one of the biggest influences at the time for me. And I remember waiting in line to ask uh, a question. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the fuck the question was today. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, there was people who got in line and was like rapping to them. There was people who were like saying how, you know, uh, all falls down and stuff like changed their lives. And like, you know, some lady was in a wheelchair and like she listened to his music. You know, it was just a real touching moment. And, uh, me being able to speak to somebody that I admire on that level gave me every sense of surety that my day was coming. Mm. Because, because it was, it wasn't because it was in, like you could grasp it, you could you see could, it, you, you, could, could, you could see it's it. It's now tangible. It's now tangible because mm. if LeBron was in eighth grade and he went to a summer camp and Jordan was like, oh, we're gonna learn how to shoot this week and we're gonna practice some drills and you guys are gonna be great. Mm -hmm. All of you are gonna be good. At that moment, I'm sure LeBron and everyone else in the, in that, on that court would have felt like, oh, my time's coming. Mm -hmm. Because Jordan just said it. Yeah. You know, because Jordan's right there, I just shook his hand. He took a picture and with, with my mom, you know? Yeah, yeah. When you when you have those moments, it just feels that much more real. Mm. So for me, ever since that time that I met him back then, um, I just I just knew that it was going to happen, and I didn't know how or when. And so as time progressed, you know, I was I got more and more and more into production, and I started to compose music in the sense that where my my tracks were solely influenced by the motion that I, that I would get in films, but there were artists from Philly, I'm not gonna say any names, who would just be like, oh man, this stuff's so hard, but I don't know how to approach it. And I'm mm -hmm. thinking to myself like, you're an artist, you know, you mm -hmm. should find a way to do it, you know? And because everything was so cinematic, all the music that I was creating, and, uh, and it got to a point where I would help my friends out that rapped and, mm -hmm. and I would see something that they were doing wrong, whether it was a particular type of flow or, or, or their tone or their diction. And I'd be like, all right, no, change that up, change that up, change that up. And these are kids that I was just in high school with that were rapping in the hallways and who's got the best bars in math class. Yeah. And, you know, and, and so when I look back at that time period, I'm, I can say that that was probably the starting point of me transferring into like a producer because mm -hmm. I'm able to help people put their words together for the music that they're working on. Mm -hmm. And I was helping my friends shape their tracks and their mixtapes. They knew that I produced, but I was never in the, in the, in the space to be like, Hey, you know, my beats are better than yours. It's just that I want to see everybody be great, but I want to know, I want to know how I can, 
inspire other people in the midst of me inspiring myself. Mm. And how, how do you inspire yourself now? Is it, you know, we were just talking about this book uh, or just books in general that, that you brought up. And this one I'm looking at is called A, Brand, a New Brand World. Uh, it, do you read a lot? Uh, I do. I do. I try to. Um, you know, and like I, I've got the uh, uh, Malcolm Caldwell, David and Goliath. I've got a few other ones that, that I'm really getting to. I have the Alchemist. That I'm yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, but funny story about a brand new world. I was in the gym uh, maybe like two weeks ago, and my car, my battery had died, right? Mm -hmm. So I go into the gym, and uh, the guy who runs the, the private gym is like this like, big African dude, right? Just straight. The black Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right? Oh, God. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm, I'm like, yo, you know, do you have any cables? And he's like, no, I'm going to go check for you now. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, cool, 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 right? Yeah. And, um, and uh, so he goes and checks. And then I see this guy that I normally see all the time, older dude. He's like, I used to play in this band back in the day. And super happy, good spirited. Now he's on his phone and, you know, his headphones, whatever. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to get his attention. Like, I know you're talking to somebody, but hey, you know, I need some cables. Yeah, know? yeah. And he, he kept giving me the finger, like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, like he was happy to see me, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting there, and he's like, hold on, I'll be right back. I'm running my house. And I'm sitting there waiting, like, okay, he'll be back, and then I'm going to ask him for the cables. He comes back and gives me this book. <laughs> no jumper cables. No jumper cables. He gives me a book. But the way he gave it to me was kind of like, here, like here, this is the book I've been telling you about. Hmm. But it was, but I was, I was kind of thrown off because the way, like I said, the way he gave me the book was 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 as if I was asking to borrow this book for months. Yeah. <laughs> and he was so persistent about giving me this book, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, cool, thanks for the book, and uh, and you know, and then we started to talk about. Uh, this particular author, uh, Scott Bed um, Bedbury, and um, a few others, and you know about marketing, and just uh, it, it was very interesting how mm. that conversation even came about. And, you know, it was, it was enlightening at the moment, and um, and then finally I got my cables. And yeah, <laughs> my car, but but it was just uh, I like retrieving books or allowing books to find me. Mm. It, it almost goes into, I don't like looking for knowledge. I want knowledge really? to find me. Really? That's interesting. I feel like I'm always on a constant quest for knowledge. Like I'm looking but for... But you are knowledge. Mm, what do you mean? <laughs> do you everything, mean that the knowledge is within? Every, it is. Yeah. Everything that you are... You've already done this before. Now you're getting deep on me. Go ahead. Keep going. So when you're on a quest for knowledge, mm -hmm. all you're doing is helping yourself remember what you already know. Because mm. everything is, I guess, innately. It's like, are you saying that the basic human qualities that I guess are you are within, but they're just... Covered. Mm, covered, okay. So when you, when, when you find yourself being uh, 
motivated by something or inspired by something that you, but you don't know why mm-hmm. you just saw something like yo this is so tight yo this is crazy I'm so inspired by this this art piece that I've seen in this gallery or I just watched this film and it just reminded me of something it just made my mind my mind spinning my mind spinning mm-hmm. I, I got this crazy feeling inside it's because externally there's this sense of excitement mm. internally it's like what's embedded inside of you is like okay I'm happy that you're remembering mm. Mm. That's an interesting way to think about it, man. Yeah. Because, it, you know, growing up, you know, they always told us we only use 10% of our brains, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if we, if we really want to take it there, I, I feel like that, that can be true. But the 10% that we are utilizing is what we were kind of to utilize in a sense mm. live, live a certain way yeah 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 you know? and you're gonna you're gonna uh, speak it into existence kind of you know uh, uh, um, be institutionalized from school all these different things yeah live your life a certain way and you know these are you gotta look you can't do this you can't do this boom 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 that's the 10% to me mm-hmm. but when you go outside the box and you're weird or you're different or on an island, or you're out of this world, all these different things that people say, it's because you are reminding yourself of who you truly are. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you can, if you, if you, if you don't pay attention to that, and you're not aware of it, you can easily be influenced to stay utilizing only 10%. Yeah, I, I mean, the, 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 I think the bigger question for me with this stuff becomes how do you get to that place to, you know, separate yourself from the pack, separate yourself from the norm? Like, there's so many forces going at people to keep people in line with the status quo, keep people doing the same exact thing, keep people thinking that life has a limit on it, that it's not limitless. So... How, how do people step outside and realize that stuff, with, you know, without, I guess, outside exposure coming in and helping them do that? People have to stop looking for reasons to not believe mm. it is possible. Anything is possible. Yeah, like, the, like when, we, when we look for reasons, we look for doubt. We look for someone to say, no, man, you're right. Mm-hmm. Don't look for it. Mm-hmm. Just don't, don't you, look for a reason to separate yourself. Don't look for a reason to prove others wrong, because you trying to prove ten thousand people wrong when they're so either stuck in their ways or they are a certain way. It does nothing for you to. You know, it does nothing for you trying to like win these people over when it's you at the end of the day that you have to win yourself over. Mm-hmm. Because when you win yourself over, it's you reminding yourself of what you already are. You're already different from these people. You already you already think differently. Your your, your job's different. Your um, your entire sense of being, how you live your life, is totally different. But the moment that 
you start to question what you know or if you're good enough or if you can actually do something is when you start looking at other people for reasons for why that you aren't there. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you're already there. Mm. Going back to when you asked me, how did I know I was going to be successful or want to be this with music? I watched a movie called Vanilla Sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Uh, his name in the film was uh, David... Anyway, so David, was able to experience lucid dreaming. Okay. And what is lucid dreaming exactly? Um, to, to, to my understanding, it's the ability to be able to dream with your eyes open mm. and you control you everything can, okay. you see. Gotcha. And... As I was growing up, through my, uh, um, my, and while I was in college, this is when I saw the movie. Because you know, in college is where you try to figure life out, you know? Yeah. So, freshman in college, when I saw the movie, we actually had to do a paper on it. And uh, I watched it. Most people watched it to write their report. I watched it, and my life changed. Mm. I watched it religiously to the point where. I saw how David was able to remove things that didn't make him happy in his life. He was able to remove it completely as if it didn't exist. People, uh, uh, thoughts, uh, you know, things that he did on a regular basis, cars, just anything that, that's there. He was able to just pull it out of what was considered reality. Mm. And he was only able to see what he wanted to see. And that, to me, kind of helped me focus more on having tunnel vision, you know, not being distracted. Or if there was a certain type of energy of people that I didn't want around me, whether they were negative, it's like, you don't exist. Mm. And you can't, and, 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 if, and if I say, you don't exist. Someone can't stand in front of me and say, I do exist because I'm talking to you. But honestly, who can say that I'm wrong for thinking what I think mm -hmm. in my world? So if, if we were, if, let's say we're having a conversation and I look out the window and say, yo, the sky's purple. And you're like, yo, you trip. The yeah. sky's blue. Who's to say that I'm wrong? If you are living in your world. Now, I guess... How do you, I, I, I think, and I agree with you in terms of I, thinking like that, but we also do live in this real world, right? And there's these, these real world things. But what's real? The, what's real is that somebody could stand right in front of you and like punch you in the face. You know they what I mean? Could. That is real. So. They, but, but, but if someone stood in front of me right now and punched me in the face. Mm-hmm. Could I have the ability to control whether that happens or not? You could duck. I could duck. I could move. I could communicate with the person and that it wouldn't even take place. Mm -hmm. But when you have the ability to control your surroundings and 
it's your world that you're living in, you put yourself in these certain positions to be exposed to what I call other people's reality. Other people. I see what you're saying. Other yeah. people's reality mm-hmm. is what people call the real world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this is the real world, son. You got to know about the real world. When you get out in the real world, it's going to be hard. It's going to be, <laughs> you need money. You know, people are going to, people are going to shit on you and your dreams and people are going to be mean to you. Yeah. That's the real world. That's the real world. And suck it up and be prepared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, for, for, for me, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt and I say, what is considered reality for everybody is everybody who's living, it's everyone's imagination happening at the same time. So if your imagination is about the wrong things, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 you're going to either be a part of it, commit it, or perpetuate or influence the wrong things, negative, crime, mm-hmm. whatever. If that's that's where your imagination is to be bad. If your imagination is to be good, you're going to influence this good. Yeah. On the reality that everyone's a part of, so to speak. But it's everyone's imagination mm-hmm. that's that's being spoken and created for others to see. Yeah. Cars, houses, paintings, artwork, technology. It all comes from imagination. Yeah, I think these things, like, you know, some words that are kind of synonymous, whatever you want to use, imagination, energy, thoughts, all of this stuff is kind of the same in that all of these things become reality and they, and they take shape in the physical form, you know what I mean? What I guess was, was hard for me, though, is at times when I'm, it's like, you know, again, but this is, this is within my control, right? You, you, you try to have the tunnel vision, but you also... Like I said, you, you're dealing with real-world things, right? And you, you're dealing with... We're social creatures, so we have relationships and we have people in our lives. And sometimes people that are in your life might not be the best for you, but they're in your life. You care about that person and you want to keep that person in your life. You know, so it's like, how do you deal with those situations now? Um, I would say... And it's cold. <laughs> because... I've, I've, I've spoken to like a lot of like very wise and bright people in my life and they've said the most simplest things to me like that made so much sense and left an impression um, for instance I was, I was having a conversation with uh, one of my mentors he goes if people don't get it it's no point in talking to them hmm. and I sat back I was like what does that even mean Yeah. but then I realized if a person within themselves isn't here, whatever you say is going to be foreign language. Mm-hmm. If a person is all about, for instance, if a person is all about bad stuff and you're all about positive and you're like, man, you should try this. They're already in their mind like, I'm not listening to you. Yeah. Or... What? There's a chance for me to be better? You crazy. Their mind's already been made up. Mm-hmm. So if they don't get it, it's no point in even talking to them. So when you think about someone that you care about and that's in your life, as cold as it is, it's like 
Yes, they are their own human being. They're living for themselves. They walk in their shoes every day. They wake themselves up. They have their own goals and everything. But if that person doesn't get you and what you're trying to do for them, whether it's inspire, whether it's provide or something like that, because they're so stuck within themselves, that's, that's almost out of your control mm. to the point that they're already, their minds are already made up. Mm. And sometimes you have to either step away from those people Or you're going to be in a battle every day to convince them to open their eyes. But at the same time, I love to play devil's advocate, right? So isn't it good to put yourself in situations that are challenging, that are new, and that you don't agree with people in? You know what I mean? Couldn't you see the, the benefit in doing that? Um, you're putting yourself in, in challenging positions to understand that person? Mm -hmm. Is that what you're saying? Uh... Yeah, yeah, definitely. To understand that person, um, and you know, let's let's give it let's give it a real world example, right? So let's say uh, you're working on a project, yeah. and the people who are who are financing it, right? So this is something that me and you can both relate to, right? As artists, say we're working on a project. Some the people that are financing you get your vision, but they don't, uh, I guess, something, like, they don't, they don't get it wholeheartedly, right? But at the end of the day, to create the product, you need their capital, right? So do you just go and say, you know what, they don't get it, I'm turning a blind eye to this, and I'm not doing it their way, or I'm not even, I don't even want to come to some sort of middle ground, or... Do you find that middle ground, you know what I'm saying, and, and create? It's like this. At the end of the day, if you have a great idea and you're presenting it to someone, before you even open your mouth, that person's mind's already made up. A person could get what you're doing, they could like it, but their mind's already made up. Mm. I work for this company. You want me to invest in what you're doing. It sounds like the most genius idea. But we have a system. Mm -hmm. And this is just how we do what we do. You had a great idea, though. Um, I'm not, we're not changing our system for anybody. Even if your idea is ingenious and it can change the world, we have a system. So you could take that and say, I appreciate your time. Mm -hmm. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to break the walls down. And I'm going to make you realize that you're a piece of shit. And my dream, and my ingenious idea is going to laugh in your face when, when I pop it off. You know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can look at it that way. You can take that approach. Or, this is getting deep. The moment that you say, you know what? You do have a system. Let me compromise my artistic integrity, my morals, my values, my everything, mm -hmm. just so I can get my foot in the door, or just so 
you can actually say, hey, you know what? I like your idea and you're gonna follow our system. Yeah, but at the end of the day, when you get inside and you're working alongside of that system, that system was created long before you even existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if any waking moment they say, mm, I don't like this anymore. It's, you're just another ant. You gotta be ready for that. You know? You gotta be ready you, to get pushed you, you, off the cliff. You gotta be cliff. ready to push off the cliff, you know, flatlined, whatever you wanna call it, because that system ideally wasn't designed for you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes life puts us in positions where we are so eager to understand other people's systems and we try to get inside and once we get inside and we, we sense an opportunity to be successful within someone else's system, we're still playing with fire because we want to get in and understand it, but they may say, oh, I like all your ideas, keep giving them to me and then I'm going to push you off the cliff mm-hmm. and then you're fucked yeah. because you, you, you were amused and you were used. You might have got inside the system and said, yeah, man, I got inside, I, you know, I finally figured out, you know, they gave me a key card. Mm-hmm. I'm inside the building now. See how everyone does work. This is cool. Not a lot of people get these opportunities to see this side of the company. But they, but it was more of a benefit to the company than it was to you. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, Every day when you're inspired and you're motivated, you're reminding yourself of what you've already done and who you already are. So when you go against that to try to force some sense of excitement or inspiration for yourself to get within someone else's world, Mm -hmm. someone else's system, you're only hurting yourself in a sense. Mm -hmm. Because if if it all goes wrong within someone else's system, you're gonna come back to your sanctuary, your home, your cubby hole, whatever it is, your your work desk, and you're gonna say, Man, fuck, how did I lose this opportunity? Maybe mm-hmm. I'm not good enough. But you were so fucking good that you were able to get into the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you already knew the shit. Mm-hmm. It's just a sense of external excitement where it's like, I'm in the building. Yeah. <laughs> but what the fuck does that really do? What does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? It's yeah. just like first day of school. I got my J's on. Yeah. You don't got them. You don't got them. By Wednesday, it's like, everybody everybody got them? Or it's like, yeah, he got the Jordans. Yeah. By Wednesday, it doesn't matter. It's gone. The hype is gone. You know what, man? I think that that sort of is like, you know, I always wonder about what is the next level of commerce and art? What is the next level of, you know, I mean, these walls that are up have been being just they're just crumbling down you know what i mean the traditional way to do things going things going going about things from like a typical major whether it's a major label whether it's a major film company whether it's a major whatever there are all these distribution models and that things that are just being torn apart left and right and that's why i, I love the time we're in when it when it comes to independence and and art and commerce and art because what i think is happening is these companies that we're talking about, it's like people are creating the artists and the creators and the chefs and all these type of people are creating their own company. So it's like with me, like my company is Jabari. You know, I throw a party, I make films, mm-hmm. I have this podcast. I but but it is all within me. And now I'm starting to realize how to monetize 
the aspect so I can continue to do it so I can make them better. But there are, there's nobody right now in the grand scheme of things that is really infiltrating the process. And, and, and I'm at the mercy of myself and I'm at the mercy of the people that support. You know what I mean? And that's happening with so many different artists, especially in music. You know, you look at a guy like Macklemore. You look at, you know, what independent houses like TDE are creating. You know, you look at all these things, man. I, and I think that we're looking at how to sort of create, like what you're talking about you saw with Kanye, we're in a stage right now where we're looking at how to create these blueprints so that five, ten years down the road, not to say that a major label or or a distribution company or all that stuff is going to be obsolete for sure. They're still going to exist, but there's going to be alternatives to how to create art and also how to make it, uh, you know, sustainable and how to create commerce with the art. You know what I mean? So how, you know, you are very much, I, I, still consider you an independent artist but you're on a major record label yeah. you know and so how how does it how does that work and what do you feel about the the way this stuff is going and the future of all this stuff kind of you know just all the things that I was saying how did how, how is that affecting you from being on both ends of it um <clears throat> well the one thing that I I think is uh that kind of starts that whole. Uh, it's the perception, the perception of being signed to a major label, right? Mm -hmm. It's not what it used to be anymore. No. Only because there's so much information out here in the world that you can like figure things out, you can see right through it, and all that. So, back in the day when. 50 cents and all of them were, were like signing and like all it was a certain perception you're a rapper you had to have cars and blah 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 and the chains and all mm -hmm. that that perception and is not what it is today so now for artists like myself when you get involved with these corporate companies it's almost in a sense of a, a partnership Mm -hmm. I have this product I would like to have you invest in this as if you were a venture capitalist and help me distribute this product mm -hmm. I'm not hiding behind my clothes my image I'm still the same person so for me I look at myself as being a strongly independent artist who has commercial appeal mm. you know and it allows me to keep my foot here and keep my foot here because I never want to be in a position where I'm you know I'm only left and I can't be right and some people are only left and some people are only right so in my particular case you know I'm able to still work as an independent artist, even though I'm signed to a major label. A lot of people are kind of forced in that position because of whatever their circumstances are. But when you understand the structure of the business that, of the business model that you put together with this company, mm -hmm. if you understand it, 
then you know how to make it work. Mm. For instance, Macklemore. He's an independent artist, but he knew with the business model that he put together with a major label for um, you know the record that that really took off for him. Yeah, Thrift Shop. They Thrift did that. Shop. That was a radio. They had they helped radio promotion. Was so with. it's like you have a business model, but you look at it as a partnership. There's mm-hmm. no more sense of dependency. Mm-hmm. There's not a I need you in order to be successful. Yeah. That perception's gone. Yeah. Because there's so many ways to release music today. Mm-hmm. You know, YouTube, SoundCloud, like all these different sites, Spotify, you know, it used to be Napster, obviously iTunes. There's people who have music on iTunes that are competing with major label artists that are strictly independent. Yeah. And yeah. they're doing the same amount of numbers and sales, and it just, it, just, it just puts it in a way like, hey, if I'm going to work with a major label, I look at this as a partnership, you know, and that's the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. So it gives me an opportunity to be able to still, you know, operate as an independent, but working with them, I want them to help me distribute my music around the world. Yeah. You yeah. know, but like I said, if you don't understand the model and you are, you get involved with a corporate company because you're dependent upon them you don't look to try to do any groundwork to get your music out in a certain way or speak to the people in a certain way and you you totally put all your eggs in one basket you know some circumstances you might not have the best outcome yeah but you have to understand the model which means it goes back to saying you were already the genius before you walked into the system mm-hmm. and you have to understand that they they want your genius because these corporations, yes, they have uh, a foundation which will never depreciate. Mm-hmm. It's always going to stay up and running. It's a company and it's a business. So companies need to know how to progress, stay ahead of the curve. iTunes came into the picture. It took away a lot of tangible record sales. You can't, no one's going to buy the CD from Best Buy. Mm-hmm. Because I can put it right on my iPod and right on my iPhone. So these corporate companies started to figure out, like, all right, how can we make profit digitally? iTunes, obviously, but are there other platforms that we can digitally, you know, distribute music? And now there's a lot of boutique companies that are solely dedicating to digital distribution, like in iTunes. Yeah. And you make the corporation. Like, there's a sense where the corporation goes, we have to, we created the foundation for how you release music. A lot of people are smart, but we are the founding fathers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, we understand that you guys come up with cool ideas, but don't forget who we are. You know what I mean? And that's the way I kind of look at it with, you know, releasing music digitally and all these boutique distributors and stuff like that so it's like you're always going to have a founding father you're always going to have a Michael Jordan even though if when LeBron came to the league he changes up some of the rules you know so as long as you understand the business model of how you get involved with these corporate companies and these systems you at the end of the day will remember you are the genius because if you go into the situation I'm not the genius and you get let down you'll never really reach your full potential because you just allow someone else to dictate your value as a human being. 
Mm-hmm. When God made you to be a king. Yeah. We are all kings, man. We are. I, you know, I, I, I almost don't like when you look at when people sort of hold these celebrities and these uh, musicians as with such high regard, with as like as like they're royalty and and they're not. You know what I mean? Or, or, or you are not of the same flesh. You are not of the same being as a Jay-Z and Beyonce. Jay-Z and Beyonce is hip-hop's royalty. But, like, we're all people, you know what I mean? And I just think we, we all have to find our greatness and realize our greatness. And you know all that is? It's just not being influenced by what everybody else is doing. Yeah. And staying... Inspired and motivated because that will only help you remind yourself of who you already are and what you're already capable of. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, I'm Jabari. I throw parties. I make films. I do this. I got a podcast. I'm, I'm super creative. But you've always been a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. When you look at the reality that everyone else puts in front of you, I haven't got there yet, is what you look at it. You could look at it that way. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not there yet. Yeah. But you are, you are there. Who's to say you aren't there? Nobody should be able to say that. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, it's you, like people, people sometimes uh, are afraid to introduce themselves as whatever it is that, that they are. Even when they meet somebody in a social settings, you know, like I was reading, uh, I was, I think I was reading something from or listening to something from uh, Ava DuVernay, who's, you know, a, a filmmaker, and she just started maybe like four years ago, um, but she started when she was a little bit older, so that was something that she was not comfortable saying. And I mean, this this woman is like she's she's she directed an episode of Scandal this year, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, done a lot of cool things. Um, but hearing an interview with her saying, like, oh, I was afraid to even call myself a filmmaker because I hadn't, you know, whether it's I hadn't put a feature-length film out or I hadn't, you know, uh, you can't find it on uh, iTunes or, so, back, or something, goes, like, goes ridiculous. Back, not like to cut you off, it goes yeah. back to what I was saying about prerequisites. Yeah, yeah. You've got to do this before I... Or we consider you to be amongst us. Yeah. But the people who are trying to dictate that were once in your position. Absolutely. So it's like, if I'm an aspiring actor and, you know, I'm trying, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to get in a feature film and you know what, I'm going to get an Oscar. You know what, I got in that movie and now I'm, I'm a, I got a supporting role in the, in the film. And someone says, oh, you're just starting. You got a long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> what makes you think you're going to get an Oscar? What makes you think that you're even invited to the acting skill? You know what? You just got your SAG card. Cool. It's good. Good luck, buddy. But who's to say that everything that this person just said to me, this is the, this, like, who's to say that everything this person just said to me is the ending point for me. Like, mm-hmm. it, that's where I'm just gonna hit the roof. I just hit my ceiling. Because this guy just told me, cool, you just started, cool. But who knows? That movie may get an Oscar. You know? 
12 days of slavery. You're 12 years of slave. You're 12 years of slave. Yeah. Like, who thought that movie was going to get an Oscar? Those actors, who, they didn't think that they were going to win Oscars. Mm -hmm. But the, I'm sure there was some conversation where someone was like, oh, this is a cool movie. Great, you got a long way to go. Yeah. And that also goes back to people who are in these dictating positions who are like, our minds are already made up. So I have to be extremely wild in order for me to accept you. But when people are afraid to say, this is what I do, it's because they feel like they are certain prerequisites. When I tell you, Jabari, that yes, you're a filmmaker, yes, you can do this, yes, you've already covered the ground, but you, don't, but you feel like there's so much more for you to uh, 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 cover because you still think about these prerequisites. It's in front of us. Mm -hmm. I still have to make five films. I've only done shorts, but I got to do a feature in order to be accepted. Like, no. The way the time is now, you, you make the rules. Yeah, yeah. Because in order for iTunes to happen, Steve Jobs had to make the rule. Mm-hmm. He had to make the rule to say, we're going to digitally sell music like this. I'm going to make the rule that you have to buy a phone, you have to buy a, 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 a phone with an iPod attached to it because I'm not selling those CDs. Mm -hmm. So you make the rule regardless of what acceptance or the dictator's have to say because at the end of the day they used to be in your position yeah and and there's something wrong with the world where these dictators feel like we have to make it so hard for everyone else yeah why yeah why why yeah. what's the point of making it so hard for everyone else money greed and power man yeah, and that's like, the reason and, and the thing is like it only gets so far it only goes so far mm -hmm. you know ha having that that type of mind frame and so, you know, I remember when, when I was just making tracks, uh, producing, I would almost be too shy to say, yeah, I produce, or yeah, I make beats. Because there was a certain breakdown where, they would, where people would say, you either make beats or you're a producer, a record producer, someone who sits in a studio, crafts the lyrics, uh, sits in on the mix, helps write the song makes the beat sound this way, puts the lyrics with the beat, music record producer, mm -hmm. VH1. This is what I saw <laughs> as a kid. Yeah. And then I'm like, I go into uh, 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 someone's studio, and it's, yo, he's got the MPC, and he's got the Akai over here, and he's got the chord rolling, he's a rolling keyboard, and he's, and he's making his beats. And he takes his beat CD and he gives it to this guy who says, yo, uh, can you put a singer on this, a rapper on it? And this person takes his beats and gives it to the artist. The artist records onto it or sings onto it. But then that artist then works with someone who helps them craft the record and changes the beat around and does all of that. And that's the music producer. And this is the beat maker. Mm -hmm. So I was like, fuck. I gotta know all this shit. 
Yeah. You know? So I was kind of too shy to say what I did because I wanted to understand all the different levels. So interning at recording studios, uh, I was at this spot in Philly, uh, uh, Studio 609. This is uh, Drain Vidal, it was their studio. And they're like Grammy Award winning producers, Michael Jackson, Justin Timberlake, mm-hmm. Music Soul Child, like Jill Scott, list goes on, Usher, Confessions album, just. Yeah, no, Drain Vidal would be smart. Yeah, yeah. So, so I was in there as an intern, and I'm like, all right, yeah, I make my little beats, I got my reason, I'm using all these, uh, all these programs, uh, you know, I'm still making my epic, cinematic-sounding beats, but I'm like, all right, let me understand what it means to be a producer mm. outside of just making my making my tracks and not knowing what to do with them. So as I'm interning at this place, I'm seeing how the songwriters are coming in. They'll have a room of songwriters writing to one track or multiple songs, and then there'll be a guy in another room who would be playing guitar and laying li- live drums to the instrumental that was just created last night. But then in another room, you have the mixing engineer who's already got a few vocals that the songwriters have recorded onto this track, and he's mixing the levels. And then Dran Vidal will walk around the whole place seeing what everybody's doing. And, and, and the songwriters are finishing the record, these guys are laying live instrumentation to the track, and then there's the engineering guy who's mixing uh, you know, some vocals that were already there, but once the songwriter and the guitar is finished, he's gonna take their files, put them into his Pro Tools, the engineer, and he's gonna mix the whole song together. And then Dre and them are gonna come in the room, and they're gonna say, I like this, I like that, turn that down, bring this in, fade that out. And I was in a position to learn all that. And when I saw it, I was like, all right, now I got it. So if I say I'm this, it's because I understand the language and then I understand the foundation of really creating a song mm-hmm. and the structure and the way to do it because I'm watching these guys do it. And so that's where I felt comfortable saying what I was at that point. But, you know, I, I, I think now, I think, I think people are... They're afraid to just say who they are, period. Who they are, period. In general, because yeah. Because of social media. You know, yeah. you have catfish in the world. You have people who've created identities via Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all these things. I remember when I was younger, everybody in my high school had a Black Planet page. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that was the way you were supposed to go bag all the shorties. Yeah. But if your page wasn't popping and you didn't have like some cheap ass HTML code yeah. and shit was trickling down the screen, like, you got like a car bouncing. A car like bouncing that, yeah. or like some some logo that's like flashing yeah. on the screen, you're not popping. Yeah. And so, you know, but you, you kind of created because you had to give a description of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, I can't even remember what my joint was, but. I would read people's pages, and it was almost like, it was almost like, a, here's a synopsis mm-hmm. of who I am in uh, 158 characters. Uh, uh, what's good, um, you know, I'm the, you know, for instance, some chick, yeah. joint, you know, uh, you know, what's good, I'm the mommy with the long hair and the, and the Jordans, and I like to. I like to go to parties and I like listening to music and get my hair done and whatever it is. Mm-hmm. In 134 characters, they give a synopsis of who they are. 
Now, you're communicating and meeting people on the internet. If you choose to really meet them, that's one thing. But when you're meeting and you develop a relationship online and never meet, nobody really knows who the fuck is who or what's real. So what happens is it makes it hard for people to really say, to be real in real life. Mm -hmm. When I say real life, it it makes it hard for people to, to admit to what they are or who they truly are or... You know things of that nature because they've created, they've created this 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 fantasy for the other person of what they are. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a dilemma that we're going through right now, and it's it will all change eventually. But the thing is, all this stuff is new, so like, you know, we're 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 evolving with it. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think that it will eventually be to a place where. The technology is complementing life. You know what I mean. The it's technology a, is comp- a curse. Yeah, you know what I mean. But you know, it's just it's yeah. The technology is the it's it's the ultimate. Uh, uh, the internet right now, man, it breaks down walls and it like allows people like me and you to create careers. Like you, you know, you think about we we wouldn't be where we are at right now without the internet. But For at sure. the same time, the internet is a very distracting place. Yep. You know what I mean, and it's and it. Like you said, it's a gift and a curse, and we will eventually, like I said, it will one will complement the other, um, and we'll find out how to how to maneuver through all this stuff. But it's just a it's a constant evolution, man. No, it is, and, and I think like you know, I have friends who I've met over the internet mm-hmm. who are creators, and they they're into art design and art direction, and I've had guys do work for me that I've never met before. Yeah, we've talked over the phone. We might have emailed, may have never FaceTime, never Skyped, mm-hmm. but we communicate like we're homies because yeah. we, we creatively connect. Yeah. And then it's a point that when you finally meet this person, it's like, yo, yeah. you know, there's a sense of like, yo, we can actually be cool because, you know, we took the step to meet each other. But but because of the internet, you know, no pun intended. Uh, yeah. you know? um, uh, Twitter, for example. Twitter gave the average person access to say something to anybody. Say something to their favorite artist. Mm-hmm. Say something to the news station. Say something to uh, John Cena. Mm-hmm. Say something to like Obama. Mm-hmm. Because everybody had an account. And when you have that type of access, it's a good thing and a bad thing. People will harass you. People will ask, you know, real questions. They mm-hmm. want advisory. People are able to connect, you know, with certain artists who reply to them. And it does so much for the fan. Mm-hmm. You know, and so Twitter created this thing where I've watched people, producers meet producers. I've watched people have direct communication with P. Diddy. People have direct communication with like so many different people. You never fathom the thought of it happening. Yeah. Or yeah. getting retweeted by a, a you know, a, a, a George Clooney or something like that, just out of the blue. And he follows you, and that just means the world to you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you could be in Oklahoma somewhere, you know, in college, and you just got. A retweet from George Clooney, and that just made your life. But it goes back to those little moments 
that remind you your time is coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It comes full circle. It comes full yeah. circle. Same way, like when I asked that question at the behind the beats, I was like, my day's coming. Mm-hmm. Oh shit, George Clooney just retweeted me. Shit, if he just acknowledged me in my 32 characters, I must be doing something right that someone else is going to acknowledge me for something else mm-hmm. moving forward. G, thank you so much. Oh, for, for this, sure, brother, we got to get you back on the podcast. Yeah, let's and do we it. Have, we haven't even talked about your veganism. We haven't even talked about oh, so yeah, much other yeah, stuff. But we'll, we'll, we'll get into the people it. will get into it. And uh, tell these folks, man, where they can listen to your music, where they can find you on the internet. Yeah. Um, everything. I mean, uh, a lot of my music is on SoundCloud, one of my favorite sites. Spotify is another one of my favorite sites. Yep. Um, iTunes. Uh, you can go to JobertForte.com. You can download the, the latest project that I have called Pray. Um, you can go to my YouTube. Follow me on Instagram, my visual diary. You know, I might influence you to become vegan. Yeah, you know, definitely who, might. Who knows? Just gave me some good vegan food <laughs> when I walked in the door. Um, you know, follow me on Twitter for my rants and, like, you know, my inspirational things that I like to just say. Because I, I like to use that thing just to kind of communicate my feelings and emotions to people. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you ever want to know what the reels are with people who are artists or something, like, I'm going to just keep it 100. You know? Yeah, as always. And so, I, you know, I just look to those type of platforms to do that right next to my music. And, uh, you know, my dog, Zeus, <laughs> who, who just wanted to say goodbye as well. But, um but yeah, man, no, thanks for having me, bro. No, of course, Special man, moment, of course. Man. No, it's, it, we're going to do it again more. Um, you guys already know uh, so many. I got a few things coming up that are new. Uh, Colors is my new party. So that's going to be bi-coastal, New York and L.A. Joubert came to the last one. We actually did, just had one last night. Joubert, oh, tell the folks about the parties, man. Oh, man, you know, Colors is definitely the new, the new, the new hit in, uh, in L.A. right now. Um, my man Jabari just definitely shut it down last night. It's it definitely a great vibe. I mean, just to come to a party where there's no bouginess, where people, there's yeah. no tables, there's no bottles, and, and you're hearing music from so many different eras, and it's like, how do you all have that comprised in one space? So everybody has a good time. Yeah, and it was yeah. a point where you know you're able to communicate with people in the room. The music wasn't too loud, and it was like a, a it was a social gathering, but people were still able to dance and kick it. And have fun, man. That's what we. That's, that's 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 all I'm trying to create, man. So you guys, every uh, the the first weekend of the month in LA, and the last weekend of the month in New York. So the next one is uh, on mm, the 28th. So Friday, the 28th, go to MyColorsParty.com. Um, yeah, and grab some tickets there and get on the email list so you guys know when it's coming. Again, uh, Patreon. If you guys are enjoying these podcasts, man, as much as me, I love them. I, I love doing these things. It's not just for you guys. Seriously, it's, I get so much out of talking to some of my creative friends on this. But uh, support with a tip. Patreon.com slash Jabari. I'll put a link to the Patreon page so you guys can go there, check it out, and I'll put a link to uh, all of the stuff that Gilbert was mentioning and, and all of his websites where you can go find him in the show notes. Again, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. The Words of Friends podcast. I'm out of here. Peace. Peace.